This is Brian Bellick. I'm joined by my partner, Denny Green. Welcome to the Coaches Show podcast. Here we go. Well, Denny, we're obviously well into the uh, to the season now to where we have a lot more conviction. We talk about who's good and who's not. Let's talk about the teams that are top of the pyramid. And you got to start, I guess, with the Houston Texans. We've both been kind of hesitant to crown them as the best team. But I tell you what, a road win against the Bears, bad circumstances in terms of the weather, they looked about as complete a team as I've seen. I think particularly for a team that, you know, that plays indoor, they can close that dome up down there in Houston and, and have perfect conditions, and that was not perfect conditions at all Sunday night. I, I think there's two reasons. One, I mean, they're really playing some tremendous defense, uh, you know, and I, and I think that they've got a lot of confidence in Wade Phillips and his ability to coach that defense. I mean, he knows the defense he wants to play in the circumstances he wants to play them, and it makes a big, big difference. Chicago, we know offensively, can be up and down. We'll talk about the Bears, but in that particular game, I just think the Texans, and then they can run the ball. I mean, they are in, in many ways the best rushing team in the National Football League, and, and then Schwab is playing solid football. So I, I, I think Texans, um, I'd, I'd say they're my number one team. They're definitely my number one team in the AFC. And I, I would say since they won yesterday and the Falcons did not say they're the best team uh, in football. What has sold me on Houston, I guess, is all the things you said. Uh, also now they've played Baltimore, Denver, and Chicago and beaten all three. So yeah. you, you got to give them their due in terms of in the big games when they needed to step up. They have they have done that, and there's no team hotter than Denver, obviously, and Chicago after the the beatdown they put on Tennessee and what they did defensively. Schaub didn't have a great night, but on but given those circumstances, you don't hold out against them. No one was going to have a good night given the conditions in in uh, in Chicago the other night. But they, they they are clearly the most complete team. Atlanta, who obviously just lost, and we'll talk about them in a second to New Orleans. They also have balance, but I don't know. Houston's a better defensive football team than Atlanta, so you have to give the nod, in my mind, I guess, to Houston. Yeah. Uh, And then when you go to next, let's talk about the 8-1 and Falcons. That was, you know, uh, the key there, I think, and it's really easy to say, well, we knew the Falcons weren't going to be a a, a, a 16-0 team. You know, if that pass is a half a yard in front for Roddy White at the end of the game, we're talking about another come-from-behind win for the Atlanta Falcons. So they're a very good football team. But at eight and one, and we also saw that New Orleans, as bad as they are defensively, are still a team that are going to be a factor. Yeah, they are, and and you know what, uh, the, the New Orleans can can make it happen because of Drew Brees, and they also are running the ball a little bit better too. I just don't feel the Falcons have played as well the last four weeks. In other words, the first five weeks of the season they played better than they've played the last four weeks of the season. And maybe it was, you know, at, at what point getting that bug of wild, as they say, is it, is it good to lose a game, you know, at least one game? I don't know. But I just never felt – I mean, they, they won a couple games against teams that they could have lost if things had gone against them. They had pretty good fortune, and they pulled it out. But it, it, they're not playing as well, in my opinion, as they were in the first half of the season. What's got me scared about Atlanta, coming in, we'd have said – Matt Ryan's going to be good. They got all the skill positions: Julio Jones, Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez. Uh, they've got Jacquez Rogers, Michael Turner in the backfield. Uh, they're going to balance on offense, defense. We think they'll be better, not great, but better. Well, as it turns out, they're a lot better in defense. Mike Nolan's done a great job. They still got the same no-name defense, so to speak, but they're playing pretty good. Matt Ryan's having a great year. 
I'm really concerned about their ability to run the ball. There's not a lack of commitment, but they they don't seem to be able to run the ball as well as they should. And that's the big surprise, I think, because they did run the ball better last year when they didn't have quite as good a team, or at least not as good a results. And Michael Turner is still considered a big-time player. Now, he had 15 carries yesterday, I think, for 18 yards. Yeah. That's kind of hard to believe, I mean, because, you know, he's powerful. Against they played a very a of, mediocre New Orleans Well, everybody had run on New Orleans. Right. Everybody had been. So I don't know if it's a scheme. If they, it, You know, a lot of times we, we call it, they get seduced by the dark side, which means you're passing too much. When you go out there and you're passing, and 45, 50 times a ball game, you know, the team can maybe start looking at the game a little bit differently, as we say. You know, that rough and tough, get your head down in there and blast away physical run game. If you're throwing too much, they don't get good at it. And and I think right now this could be a team that thinks that we don't have to do it that way, meaning the hard-nosed way of running it. We can do just fine passing the ball a great deal because of the skilled positions that you mentioned because of the quarterback, and I think it probably has hurt him. Yeah, that, that I've had a number of Atlanta-New Orleans games over the past couple years, and that, and I'm used to a pretty good ri- physical rivalry with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, so I think I know what a physical rivalry looks like. This is a, These are physical games. They have been in the past, and I don't know that I saw the physicality out of Atlanta by way of the run game right. that I've seen in years past. Well, let's talk about physical. Let's, let's talk about the Bears at 7-2. and two. Obviously, we just talked about Houston and how they look to be the, the real deal, and you have to give them credit for who they've beaten. And the Bears, you know, to me, it's pretty clear cut. The Bears have to have the turnovers to win a game. Yeah. Without it, I just don't know that that offense, you know, play good defense, run the ball, Color will make a couple big plays. Tight game. We're going to win 14-10. I just don't know unless they get some of these patented turnovers that we're so used to seeing from the Bears that they can continue. Well, you know, Cutler just is so impatient. You know, the interceptions he gets are throws where he's trying to throw into a tight window, and a lot of times they're overthrown balls, and they're overthrown balls because the, the, the difficulty of the pass play he's trying to commit is more maybe than the circumstances call for. You don't see him dropping it off that much. Uh, they have created those plays on, on defense, and that's why they are a fabulous 7-2 and two team with all kind of record pace as far as forcing fumbles and knocking balls out that gets intercepted, the whole ball of wax. But without that, they seem to rush a little bit. They don't seem to be as poised as, they, as you'd want them to be, and I think that makes a big difference on offense when they cannot get those points coming from their defense. And the other night's probably not fair because it was such bad circumstances. They were only 2 of 13 on third down. Of course, Houston was only 3 of 14, but if part of the problem for the Bears as well is they're not running the ball as talk about Atlanta, Chicago, in order to play great defense, uh, minimize the, the down the field errors, you got to run the ball well with Matt Forte. They want to do that. The problem I see for the Bears is is that they can run the ball okay, get three yards on first down, get four yards on second down. You're still third and three. Yeah, and are you going <laughs> to convert on third and three? There's a whole bunch. Of, I, know, I remember you and I. You know, I I, I was prone to prone to throw the ball a little bit too much sometimes when I was working for you, and, and you had to reel me in occasionally. But my frustration would be, oh, great, I run the ball well on first down, run the ball on second down. I still got to make first down, Denny. It's still a third down. I got to make too many of these calls. You're making it too tough on me. Uh, but that's part of the problem with the Bears, I think, is is the ability to sustain these drives on third down consistently, consistently even if they do run the ball well. But the, but they're, you know, 7-2, and, two and, and uh, 
Uh, they've got a big game coming up against the 49ers uh, that's going to be interesting. The Packers are coming off a bye at 6-3, and three, so it's real easy to not get drawn back into them right now. But they seem to be – if I had to pick a team in the NFC right now that I had to bet on, it would probably be the Packers. And it's because the offense is – I think Aaron Rodgers feeling good about himself. They're getting healthy, I think, as they come back out of the bye. They're running the ball just a little bit more. Not great, but more. And defensively, they're better than they were last year. Yeah, they were. And I think, you know, Clay Matthews had this hamstring pull. I don't know if it was serious uh, or or real serious. You know, you know, hamstring is always serious, but how serious it was. I, I think they're kind of the silent killers right now. Right. I mean, they're the team right. that's 6-3. Kind of forget three. about them. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and we haven't uh, seen them in, uh, on Sunday night or Monday night, I guess, as much. We've seen them a little bit. Maybe it was a while ago. But they, they uh, I think it makes sense for us to rank them as the fourth best team. Now, that. That says, well, what about the 49ers? Well, they had a tie against the Rams. You know, that I think that drops them a little bit. But I think the Packers as a fourth-best team, another NFC team, uh, pretty good team. And and they have the ability with Rodgers to go. They ha- they can run the football. They have not been healthy at the receiving core. They, we expect them to be healthier when they come back off the bye. And, uh, and so I think that they're a legitimate team to be sitting there in fourth. You know, uh, and and – They've got some games coming up that are going to be interesting. Uh, they play Detroit that looked to be a whole lot better game this week than, than uh, um, you know, obviously Detroit losing surprisingly to me to Minnesota. Um, I don't know that we're going to know a lot more about Green Bay when they beat Detroit because they tend to beat Detroit anyway. Right. And and although it's going to add to their, their resume and they'll move down the road, I, I don't. I don't know that we're going to know a lot more about Green Bay, so it's not like we're going to—they're going to have a huge, huge win against someone and say, "Boy, they're really on path." We're going to—we're going to qualify the win they have against Detroit, saying, "Well, it was Detroit." So I'm agreeing with you in the sense that they could kind of fly under the radar here, and some people aren't quite sure, but in the back of their mind, they could become that team that no one really wants to play in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, well, especially when you got to go on the road. I mean, if you haven't—you if you played Green Bay, the thing used to always be, play those guys in September, October. What's wrong with us playing on the road in September, October? Why do we always? Get Forest playing Green Bay in November and December. And I think there are going to be some teams now that just say, hey, is this the way we really want it? Because the weather, it's going to be an early winter. I'm not trying to be a, a you know, a, you a weatherman. But I, I, know that. I, I do know read that old Hawkeye Almanac. And it's going to be a rough winter. Winter's coming early this year. And so that, that's a rough place to play in November and December when winter comes early. And it's interesting because you talk to them and you ask Aaron Rodgers about how important it is to get that home game. And, uh, he says, yeah, it's great, but you know what? If I have to go into a dome in December to play, that's okay with me, too. I don't mind going to New Orleans. I don't mind going to Atlanta. I'm fine. You want to send me to the West Coast? I'm okay with that. They're okay, except when they've got to have a win. When they got to have a win, they'd, they'd rather, rather be, be at home, home. And, have, and have the other guy from Minnesota or, or New Orleans come in there. or Atlanta, that's three dome teams right there who would seem to be the biggest challenge and come into Green Bay right. in, no, in uh, late November, December. I think they think that they've got the odds. Uh, and then finally, you got to talk about the Broncos. That's probably everybody's favorite right now. They beat the, the Panthers, and you give them credit for for going uh, going to the East Coast, West Coast to East Coast, or Mountain region to the to the East Coast. Um, and and it comes back to the faith that they have in Peyton Manning. But I will tell you what is interesting to me to the Broncos, and obviously Peyton Manning's been brilliant. They play San Diego this week at home after, and that was the big turnaround game for them. Um, but 
They're playing better defense. Jack Del Rio, we, of course, Jack played for us in Minnesota, and Jack coached for me in Baltimore. Uh, it's kind of flown under the radar, but they're playing pretty good defense. They, they really are. And you, and you know what? I thought I had it kind of figured out when they played San Diego the first game. I said, well, I think the Chargers can play in that cover, too, stay in it and uh, make it tough on Peyton. Peyton's had a lot of interceptions against them, and he did, and he had a rough kind of first half. And But then in the second half, you know, Jack and his Denver defense shut the Chargers out, and uh, – the offense led by Peyton scored 35 points. Well, now here comes a rematch, and the Chargers aren't feeling that good about themselves right now. And, and so I think that the Broncos are that legitimate team. We, we basically have them ranked as the fifth-best team. They are 6-3, and three, which is a good, solid record. They are playing well. It's a good-looking 6-3. and Then they've got a chance to beat a really stumbling uh, San Diego team right now and jump to 7-3, which is huge. Big difference between 7-3 and three and 6-4. and four. You are propelled. It's slingshot to get to the playoffs, and you can get yourself that seventh win this early in the season. And Peyton, you can tell by his comments in the paper, is laying that that foundation with his young players saying, you know what, we're still getting used to one another here. There's still an upside. We're still getting better uh, with that new receiving core he has, uh, Demarius Thomas and Decker. And as well as they're playing right now, he's also trying to sell, as he knows how to do, the fact that we, we maybe just scratched the surface here. So they're feeling good about themselves. And the fact that they're uh, they're playing good defense as well is a pretty good thing. Now it's first and 15, and Foles back to throw out of the end zone. Ware hits him. He fumbles in the end zone. It is covered by Hatcher for a touchdown. This touchdown. Three scores on returns now by Dallas. One on a punt, one on an interception, and now one on a fumble recovery by Jason Hatcher. <laughs> Wow. Uh, let's let's go to some of the game matchups and some of the things we saw. Boy, it was – and I was uh, traveling last night after my game. Uh, I had – I was in uh, um, Cincinnati and watched that uh, debacle by the New York Giants. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but was able to watch in, in the uh, um, airport because I had a later flight, the Dallas-Philadelphia game. And, boy, what a – what a tough circumstance for both those teams. Not so tough for the Cowboys right now. But let's talk about, again, where Andy Reid is and, and with the concussed Michael Vick. Everybody's talking for Nick Foles to come in. Nick Foles come in, does a couple things, but at the end of the day, it turns into a 38-23 butt whooping uh, and now puts them in absolute dire situation. Yeah, it really does. I mean, Foles was, was had 32 passes, completed 22, so he was not a complete collapse. Uh, you know, Vic is still not playing very well. And, and I think when you look at it, what Andy Reid has said, he had a, a his word was a significant concussion. You know, you say slight concussion, that implies a guy got a little woozy, came out of the game. I expect this guy to be able to play. He's going to probably get cleared for practice on Wednesday, where we go. Then you say he's had a concussion. That leaves it about 50-50 maybe. When you say significant concussion, I think that's Andy Reid's code for the fact that uh, he's got to get a lot of rest. He's going to stay in bed today. He's not coming to the facility. He's not looking at film. He's not going to the walkthrough. Tomorrow's a player's day off. He's not going out in the community. He's going to get some more rest. Wednesday, he gets a chance to go in and see the doctors. We're not optimistic. Thursday, if he got okay, he can come back and practice, but he probably won't. I think by Thursday, they'll announce that, that Nick Foles will be their starting quarterback and then Michael Vick is not going to play because of the concussion situation injury-wise that he's in. And I've got that game. It's Philadelphia at Washington. So if you're going to start a young rookie quarterback, who the thing that jumped out at me at Foles, and obviously he had a share of errors, it didn't seem too big for him. He, he handled himself okay. I didn't. I didn't think he was overwhelmed by the circumstances. Did a couple things. Hit a wide-open guy for a score, which was great. 
but he seemed to be comfortable enough. So that's a good thing. Let me ask you this, because, and obviously uh, the affection I have for Andy Reid, the respect, I've said it many times, you know, you, if there's a change at the end of the season, you can get a different coach than Andy Reid. You're not going to get a better coach, no. but you can get a different one if that's what you think you need to do. Is there any chance, do you think, that with now, if indeed the concussion forces Andy's hand, and we both agreed that you, your best chance to win is to play Michael Vick, but now that's not an option. If you play a Nick Foles and show a little bit of momentum that this maybe could be the guy, can you rally, can your organization rally around this? And as they did last year when you finished with a couple wins, you're, you're going to be at 500 at best. Can, can you rally the organization around, okay, we're okay, let's keep this thing together because we know how to develop a quarterback and go forward or does not make a difference? Here? I think you can. I think you can rally it simply because, you know, a lot of the guys have not been playing well. Michael Vick is one of them. He just has not had a good year. The protection has not – I mean, he's going, he was on pace – to have uh, the break the record for the most sacks. That's bad. Now, that means two things. One, that means you're passing a lot and not having success because a sack is, you know, is a kiss of death. They're very rarely are you going to have a quarterback sack and then you're going to pick up a first down or keep a drive alive. And so uh, the sacks are, are a problem. Uh, the fumbles, the turnovers are also a problem. Uh, is Michael Vick the same player he was? Sure he is, but sometimes you have a bad year, and that's what's going on with their system. They have the same coordinator. they got the same head coach. They don't have the same players. They don't have the same offensive line, and I think that's going to make a difference. So you go at Nick Foles, and you say, hey, look, right now, you know, Michael can't play, and we can beat Washington. We've got to really play our game, though, and and try to rally behind this guy. Now, if not, it's just more of the same. And, and I think, you know, the, the inability to move the ball, the inability to be productive uh, has had a significant impact on Philadelphia's 3-6 and six record. 3-6 and six is pretty bad. That's, yeah. a, that's a tough start. But if, if, if Folds can hold his own, and, again, it's more than Nick Folds. That defense still has some major issues. They play Washington, Carolina. So okay, maybe you get a little bit of a, a a run here with a couple a couple wins, and and obviously we all know what a difference a win. I just did a Cincinnati game, and Marvin Lewis was you know could tell on Marvin's face. I just we just desperately need a win. We just need a win, and they got it against the New York Giants. And the mentality that, that changes for your team, whether that's going to be enough for Philadelphia or not, it's 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 going to be hard to say. Like we say so many times, the focus is so much on Michael Vick. You forget that the the offensive line is not very good. This defense really hasn't stopped anybody. They can get gashed in the run. Uh, they give up big plays. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of issues going on with this team besides just the quarterback. Well, there really are, and and I and more and more than just the the quarterback support by Andy Reid, which Andy has been as supportive as you could even think about being in a tough city when things aren't going well. I mean, it's a tough city when things are going well. Philadelphia is a real tough city. It was an is it because it's a sports town, a great sports town. They love their sports. They love to be competitive. They love to get behind their team when things are going well. They mean they're incredible when things aren't going well. They're, they want things to change around and get turned around very quickly. So, you know, that's that's what they're up against right now. And, and I think I don't know who they play after, you know, Washington, but, you know, the teams Carolina. aren't doing so well. They play Carolina. Well, okay. Yeah. There, see, there's a chance Another there now. Team. It's almost like, now wait, what is Green saying here? I mean, why are you calling us out? Well, you don't call people out, but what you're saying is, is if you have a chance to win, Philadelphia and Washington are two, three, and six teams 
that are going to play each other. Now, now that one team that gets to be four and seven, that's a shot. Last right. week, they they called, and Michael Vick's the one that said it. He said last week it was a desperation bowl. Okay, you had two teams that were three and five. So what's this week? <laughs> well, <laughs> desperation bowl too, because Dallas was three and five, not playing well, and Philly was three and five, and Dallas won. Now Dallas at four and five is saying, you know what, guys, we feel a lot better, don't we? And they do. Well, Philly at three and six now. So this is desperation bowl too, because Philadelphia and and that's the the, the idiosyncrasy that take place in sports. Now Washington and Philly are three and six. All of the uh, accolades have gone to RG3 and all that, but they're still 3-6. and six. Still They have six. not They have not done well. Michael Vick, who normally has a good year, has not done well. So now you've got these two 3-6 teams going to play each other. Whoever wins, it's like, well, that buys us a little bit of time. Right. Whoever loses, holy mackerel, 3-7. and seven. Well, let's remember, and, and Washington's coming off a bye, but prior to the bye, Mike Shanahan, and we talked about it on the Coaches Show, when he – it sounded like he was intimating, okay, we know our season's done. We're going to play to see who's going to be on this team going forward. And he backed off that and says, no, no, I'm just saying we're, we're in a playoff mode. Right. We're, we're clearly in a playoff mode. We've got to win every single game. Well, now you're playing Philadelphia. Then you got Dallas and New York. You're right. If you go in and you lose this game to Philadelphia, now Mike's going to have to walk back even further. And does he then say, well, yeah, now I really do mean it. Right. We're playing to see who's going to be on this team next year. But he can win three in a row. I mean, Mike Shanahan looks at those and says, these three teams that you're talking about, Dallas at four and five, who knows what they'll be next week. The Giants, it's November. <laughs> you you right, know, you talk right. about the Giants. Seem to, they, they do pretty good in September. They actually get in December October. 3rd, so they, break, they get a break there. Yeah. <laughs> and then, New York then, does. And then they don't play very well in November. Well, then you've got, the, you know, so Washington says, hey, we can win these three games, but we got to win this first one. At three and six, we can beat Philly, we can beat Dallas, we can beat New York. We're back. We're back. But if they don't win, that makes it tough. And I think Philadelphia is the same way. We can beat Washington, we can beat Carolina. But if they don't win. Well, and I like the fact that I get to do a bowl game. I did a couple bowl games for Fox when they, when, when they had that before, and I love doing the college games, and I haven't in a while now. So I get to do another bowl. <laughs> so I get the desperation bowl here between two. Washington and Philly. Desperation, too. So I'm going to look forward to that. Uh, and make sure you visit NFL.com to read Ian Rappaport's rap sheet rundown about the implications of this loss to the Philadelphia Eagles and obviously uh, and the ramifications that, uh, that come with that. I still believe that uh, he's – Eli will bounce back, and he will play the way that he has played uh, at a championship level. Um, I certainly don't quite understand where we are and why. I, I had New York. You, we talked about Washington playing New York. I had the Giants at Cincinnati, and, and Denny, you know, we both know. Momentum, passion for the game, fatigue, it's all such a, a factor in this league. And uh, we've talked about New York has not been real good in November. Now, when I talked to Tom Coughlin about it, he kind of burred up yeah. going, well, we, we're a pretty good football team. We know how to win, <laughs> you know, in the second half of the season, get into the playoffs. Yes, you're absolutely right, Tom. You're right. But you are five and 20 in November <laughs> over the last couple of years. And the way they played at Cincinnati, there was nothing about this team. There was no pop. There was no focus. There was no passion. And Cincinnati took it to them pretty good. Well, you know what? I mean, I mean, look at last year. I remember they had to win three straight games, and it started with Dallas, and they won them all, and then they kept on going through the playoffs. The time they won it before, they had to win on the road, and they had a better road record and home record, ran right through everyone. I, <laughs> you hate to say it, but I think that they haven't been able to convince themselves to really pay attention 
maybe in November. And when they get themselves, or a more flattering way to say is, when they find themselves back into the corner, and they have been on both championship years, when they get back in the corner, they really can come out slugging. And that's what they've done in the month of December. They've been absolutely incredible. So I, I think that the, the Giants got handed to them by Cincinnati yesterday. Now, Cincinnati made matters worse because they said, hey, we think we can pass on these guys. There's holes in that secondary, is the comment. Uh, they did a lot of pump faking. They, they did a pump faking. People got out of position. And they had a lot of big plays with guys wide open. And so that did appear to be a flaw in the New York Giants defense and in the, in the secondary. They, you know, besides the fact that they looked physically a little flat, you know, Tom Tom Coughlin had called them out and said they were soft the week before uh, when they had lost to Pittsburgh. And, of course, Pittsburgh can that do, do that to you. When I looked at the film, I didn't think they were as much soft as they didn't have good fits. Right. Herzlick um, was starting for uh, 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 the inside back, uh, Claiborne or um, – Chase uh, Blackburn, um, and so they weren't fitting up. I don't think they got pushed around. They just didn't have good gap integrity, right. and they got gashed pretty good against Cincinnati, who didn't run the ball particularly well. Uh, but and 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 Blackburn was back into the game. You're right. The mistakes they made on defense, they got outflanked a number of times. The secondary got beat, was out of position a, a couple times. Just mental errors that you don't expect to see. Uh, and when you look at, and you can look at. Uh, New York and naturally say, well, okay, kind of maybe makes sense that they have a tougher second half of the season because they have a lot more NFC East games, a lot more riding on physical. This second half of the season now, you know, if they're going to come back, and they will, I, I think they're a playoff team. I think right. they're, but I think they're like last year. They're a nine seven Texan ten and six team. They got Green Bay, then they'll play Washington. They got New Orleans, Atlanta, and Baltimore. Right. Now that's 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 some games to play now. Right, they're going to win some and lose some. They're yeah, not gonna, they're yeah, not going to run schedule. This. No, not uh, run the table. And the biggest thing that I saw, too, was they third down. Although, you know, there's something like coming into it, they were like 5-25 and 25 on third down coming in. At one point, they were 1-8 and eight on third down offensively. And defensively, they've been a pretty good third down team, but they're giving up 50% third down conversion the last yeah. couple of games. Yeah. And so that come, teams are just able to sustain drives. That's giving you just that many more opportunities to make plays down the field. So I think this giant team is what they were last year. Now, okay, they were Super Bowl champs. They were a 9-7 and seven team that got hot at the right time. And Eli Manning, yes, he's an elite quarterback with two Super Bowl rings to his credit, and you can't take that away from him. But even coming into the game last year, Eli was a just over 60%, touchdown-interception ratio, decent, not overpowering. Uh, that's what they were coming into this game. It's probably what they're going to be coming into the playoffs. So I think if you are an underdog team, that's kind of admirable. It's nerve-wracking to drive the fans nuts. But uh, they say Peyton, you know, or, or Eli, when he's a lead quarterback, when he's really focused, does that mean he doesn't focus sometimes? Seems that way, you know. And uh, the bottom line is, though, they still have all the ingredients that they had last year when they won the championship. They won it, you know, the, the, the underdog way. And it looks like November – they're going to ease their way back into that underdog mode. You know, one of the things uh, that, that uh, we always ask, okay, what does the coach do? What does Tom Coughlin do? I think in this instance, uh, Tom Coughlin's had to change because everybody in the league has had to change. In the past, Tom Coughlin, 
the M.O. on his team was November and December, they faded a little bit because Tom's a hard-nosed, tough coach. They pads on a lot. They beat on each other pretty good. And we always, when he was in our division back when it was the NFC Central, AFC Central, and we had both Tennessee and Jacksonville in, in with us with Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, and, and Cleveland, obviously, when I was at Baltimore, um, you kind of knew that this team was going to be tired and beat up in the second half of the season because that's the way they went about it. But with the new rules, Tom, like this bye week, the old Tom Coughlin might have put him in pads right. and said, we're going to get tougher again. <laughs> he got to give him four days off. That's, that's league rules now. Right. So the rules are probably helping Tom Coughlin keep these guys a little fresher than they might have otherwise been. Um, and this, they're now just having the bye, so obviously they are a fatigued team. Well, that's what I believe. It's what I believe to be the truth. Oh, why do I believe it? Because I believe it. I don't care what you think or anybody else. I believe it. In my heart, I believe it. Now, granted, I've had a, I don't know how many years of experience coaching football. And, and I, I put my, uh, my uh, trust in him. All right, well, we're on a New York theme. Let's go to the other side uh, of, of the, the uh, conference and go to uh, the, in, in the New York Jets, or I should say into a different conference. Um, we kind of knew this going in. The big question before New York went on the road to play Seattle was, should they make the change with Tebow and Sanchez? You and I both felt like, even though we're not we're of the same mind, I don't know that Tebow will make a difference in this team. If you're going to do it, do it then, because you're not going to throw the ball against Seattle. And if you were going to beat them on the road, you probably need to run the ball well. Maybe Tebow could give you that element to go in and beat a Seattle team that's awful tough at home. They stayed with Sanchez, and it kind of went according to script. Sanchez was 9 of 22 for 124 yards, and uh, they got beat pretty good, 28 to 7. So the question becomes, all right, are you too late? Do you do it now? Do you make the switch with Tebow? Well, and I think I, I still don't know, and I said this before, I was not in favor of the Jets you know, acquiring Tebow because I didn't think they were going to use him. And he was coming off a six- or seven-game starting performance at the Broncos. They won some games, went to the playoffs. He deserved to go to a team that was going to try to use him, even if he wasn't, whether he was going to do well or not, at least that's what he deserved. There, you know, there's there's this holdup, and, and it's like the only way he's going to play is we have to have uh, all heck break loose, and all heck is, is about breaking loose. Now, the problem, I think, with Sanchez is that he goes on the field, and this rookie just really outplays him. I mean, Wilson it plays well. And Mark doesn't play well. Wilson's line protects a little bit better. Uh, the Jets' line did not protect as well. They they uh, did not pick up on third down conversions, and they didn't score any touchdowns again. And so I think that's what makes it tough. So the question is, is it Tebow time now? Well, it probably was Tebow time when it was a bye week, so you had a time to to work him in a week. Is it a Tebow time now? You know, if it isn't now, I don't know when it is. Uh, you know, be honest with you, simply because they are a team that is three and six. Uh, and they're struggling. I, I'm with you. I, I, I was not a fan of acquiring Tebow for this team for a lot of different reasons. The question I, and I think it's a legitimate question, is, all right, why did you bring Tebow in? If, if it's not to use him now, either in expanded packages with Sanchez, which I certainly don't advocate, but I can understand why you might want to do that, or to make this switch, then, then why did you bring Tebow in? And right. and it may have been, I it, it may be an indictment that they thought they might be able to do that, got him, and found out, no, we can't do those things with him. He can't play quarterback in the NFL. And and now what do we do with this guy? Well, you know what though? But there are some people they actually have to be in the game to yeah. know what they yep. can do. We've all had quarterbacks 
that have even difficulty with seven on seven. <laughs> it's like, man, there's nobody out there that have a little trouble on group pass and have a little trouble on pat and go. It's like that guy can't even complete those pass. I mean, we've all had those quarterbacks, and then in the game, they seem to be able to play the game. What Tim Tebow has shown, I don't care what they say about his passing techniques, all that stuff, is he seems to know how to play the game. When he plays the game as a quarterback, the team somehow find a way to win, and that's really what it's all about. And I, I think that that's enough of a reason after doing that last year and with the team being 3-6 three, three and six to help him now because right now the Jets don't seem like they have any kind of oomph, any, anything at all offensively. Yeah, and they're not – they wanted to – again, let's remember, Rex said this was the best team he'd ever had. The best personnel. Now, yeah, they've got injuries, no question about it. But their struggles happened before they ha- they were hit with the injuries to Darrell Rivas and, and Santonio Holmes. Um, so these guys are not as good on defense. They're not running the ball as well. Obviously don't have the big play receiver down the field on a consistent basis. That's It's always hard to separate the performance of a quarterback from what's going on around him. So would Tim Tebow make a difference? You know, who knows? And, and and why not try it right now? Because obviously the path you're on. They're playing St. Louis, obviously a winnable game, all but at St. Louis, who looked very good against San Francisco uh, to a certain degree. So, yeah, I, I go back to my original question. If not now, when? Because you're certainly at that crossroads as to you, you got to try something. Yeah, otherwise, you're just going to go down with your boots on and, and all the repercussions that go with it. Because as I've said many times, and, and Rex Ryan's finding out right now, if you've if you've decided that Mark Sanchez can't play, if you miss on a first-round quarterback, you end up doing podcasts with a good friend and mentor, <laughs> Denny Green, because you can't survive in this league if you miss on a first-round uh, quarterback that you've spent that kind of energy and t- resources. And, and right now, that's the crossroads that Rex Ryan's on. Yeah, it really is. And so I, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, every week, when you're not doing well, every week you're faced with these life-or-death type situations. But, I mean, at St. Louis, St. Louis played very well last week, uh, last night. I mean, they, they really did. That was their best game that they played. So far, it's a shame. They had a chance to, to, to win. They had a lead. So they had a lot of things going in their favor. And now as they take on St. Louis, the thing that's a little scary is that they got after Alex Smith pretty good. I mean, the yeah, 49ers normally do a better job of pass protection, and I think it's the the front, the way they're using the front, the way they're changing up the Ram, meaning the Rams, and I think they're going to give the Jets trouble. Based yeah. on how they played yesterday, the Jets are going to have a little bit of trouble with that Rams defensive front and backer blitzing. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see off defensively how you know, the lack of, of calls that Rex is able to make without that shutdown corner. Now, the Rams don't have a lot of options in terms of the passing game, but they do run the ball well, and they can get Steven Jackson cranked up. And as we've seen with, with uh, New York, if in the pressure they want to put on the quarterback by building those eight-man fronts and being, bringing people on the outside, you can get Steven Jackson to that second level. You don't have gap integrity. You look behind, you know, you got eight guys behind you, yeah. and you only got a couple DBs in front of you. It'll be interesting to see if the Rams can now run the ball on the Jets, and which will be interesting to see. And the Ravens fake it. Up man, Sam Cook takes it into the end zone, and the Ravens fake the field goal and turn it into a touchdown. Jeez. Well, I'm sure the Oakland Raiders coaching staff is very happy. And I got the binoculars <laughs> out, and I'm looking over at the sideline. If and you give it to me, I'm taking it. Absolutely. And that, that makes everybody else prepare for them in that way. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about a couple quick coaching decisions that came up. Everybody wants to talk about, well, you know, John Harbaugh, they ran a fake field goal up 41-14. 
you know, is there a place for that? Is that the right thing to do? I don't think it's right at all. I mean, you're, you're up, kick the field goal. I mean, that, that just, I mean, that gives it forty-one fourteen. The team is not going to come back and beat you. You don't really want to rub it in. You want to, you know, in football, pro football, you work the sportsman like situation. You feel bad for you, nobody wants to beat a guy forty-three to fourteen, run across, shake the guy's hand. You feel terrible, and that's just the way it is in sports. You're glad it's him and not you, but you don't really need to score another touchdown uh, for for anything, and you definitely don't need to do anything except kick a field goal save that fake field goal to when you really need it yeah let's remember it was it was jim harbaugh and pete carroll back at sc and stanford when when jim harbaugh thought pete had run it up a little bit created some bad blood that carried over then obviously as to when now right. that they're facing each other in san francisco and seattle uh and i got the sense looking at john's face uh, on the tv after they did that it was kind of a Oh, gosh, I wish we hadn't done that. Yeah. This is probably not a good thing. Uh, let's talk about the end. We've talked about St. Louis and, and San Francisco. Kind of an odd sequence where where uh, Jeff Fisher, um, they go for it on third down, don't, that in position to make a 53-yard field goal, and they get a delay game. Let's, yeah. let's well, talk they, about how they, that happened. Well, it was tough because they, they, they it was third and three, and they ran uh, Jackson, and he lost the yard. So, you know, everybody knew they were going to kick a field goal. And somehow it just took too long. Now, you know, we know this. I mean, you get down inside 10 seconds, something's wrong. Something's going on here. And you have to be ready to call a timeout. And you can do it from the sideline as a coach. And you're supposed to really do it from the sideline as a coach. And, and so as they start counting down, you know, five, four, three, you pretty much have to take it. Now, you you're, you are freezing your kicker. But what you have to realize is that you cannot afford a delay of game penalty at that particular time. And so I think you have to take it. Well, they, they, they didn't take it. And it was, I mean, it was zero snaps. So, I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't real close. It was real close. The kick was good, but then they had a delay of game penalty. The, the official called it right away, so it was not even close. And then the 58-yarder, the kicker missed it, and the game wound up in a tie. Uh you have to be ready to use yeah. a timeout. You should never allow the time to expire on the clock. Yeah. And uh, no matter what the circumstances, if it's going to be close, you have to assume you're not going to make it. If I'm Jeff Fisher, though, I'm going to kind of defend Jeff here a little bit because it wasn't a matter of uncertainty about whether they're going to it or not. The team came on late. You're right. It was third down, ran it, didn't get it, field goal team go on. We practice this all the time. You Every always day. practice as it starts to come down, and you don't let it go below a certain. And Jeff's watching that, and I'm, I'm, I can just hear in Jeff's mind him going, okay, snap the ball. Okay, snap the ball. We're there. Let's, what, what, why are we not snapping the ball? And then to, to, to call the timeout late, it's one of those things where I'm sure he's going to sit and talk with his uh, snapper and, and uh, his uh, special teams coach and the holder going, okay, what exactly was our issue here and why did this thing not get snapped? So whether it was a coaching mistake or not, that's a different one. What do you think? I mean, what, what do you think the answer to that question is? Answer it for me. Is it acceptable? No, it's not acceptable. You know the answer to that. Is that what acceptable, having a block punt and having a return, punt, uh, kick uh, interception for a touchdown? No. Okay? We're trying, that's not what we're trying to accomplish out there. We're trying to go win games, uh, and those things are keeping us from winning no, that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to play hard and not win. But that's what happened. I'm going to explain to you what happened out there. 
Let's talk about, we've all been there before, but uh, Denny, as much as empathy as anything, North Turner in the tough situation in San Diego, all the pressure they're under after the game kind of blew up. And I don't know that he really blew up. He just, the question was basically, are you satisfied with this? Is this acceptable? And he basically said, no, what do you think? Yeah, no. you, is it acceptable to you? No, it's not acceptable. Well, I think and he also was referring to this idea that, well, you guys now, you know, you are four and five. Does it mean you're not making playoffs? Is uh, playing and making mistakes in the fourth quarter, is that acceptable? In other words, have you given up? And North Turner, of course, got pretty excited about it and, and just said it's not acceptable. They're not giving up. They feel good. They're still positive. The guys play hard. So all the reasons that we know a coach is going to say. And, and the idea, you know, is is that uh, they were ahead. They had a chance to win that ball game. They were on the road at Tampa, and then they started making mistakes. Uh, Phillip Rivers had two turnovers, which made a difference, and uh, they wound up losing that ball game. Yeah, and, and you look at San Diego, and you know we've all been there, Denny, but you look at their schedule, and they're sitting here at four and five. So let's say, let's say for discussion purposes – You've got to get to ten and six to make the playoffs. Nine and seven might do it, but let's say ten and six. So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my schedule here. It begins right with Denver, but if I can beat Denver, then I got to play Baltimore, okay, <laughs> uh, uh, and and then Cincinnati, then Pittsburgh. So I'm I'm. Uh, this is the Mike Shanahan scenario. I, I'm in the playoffs. I'm in the playoffs, okay? I at least got to hold on to, and that's how I'm selling my team. You know what? We're in the playoffs. It's one and done. We got to win basically every game, but then you got to be prepared for, okay, so what if you lose to Denver? Yeah. And then you lose. Now now you really are in that situation where yeah. you said, you talk about desperation, Bull, you said that we got, like Mike Shanahan said, we got to win them all. Okay, you didn't win this one. Now where are we? Yeah, right. And I think that makes a difference, too, because, uh, you know, in at the end of the year last year, there was a lot of discussion was uh, North Turner going to be back? Was uh, A.J. Smith going to be back? The owner decided they would be back. They, the players get along great. Uh, they they enjoy playing for him. I think they play hard for him. Uh, they've got a pretty good quarterback. They have an excellent passing attack. So there are a lot of positives in that regard. And, uh, you know, they get to uh, pick their own players. But, uh, I mean, if it doesn't work, you know, the fans are not happy about it. I mean, that's the one thing. The fans are pretty vocal about wanting to change. You know, fans, we know how they are. They get that way. But this is going to be a tough one. So they, they're going to definitely need Denver to go to Denver. They're on the road. Go to Denver and play better. The last time Denver scored 35 consecutive points after Chargers had a 24 to nothing lead. I mean, they were up 24 zip. So this is going to be a tough one. If if they lose to Denver, or lose to Denver and then say Baltimore, uh, and obviously then now they're headed that path. Does does AJ Smith do the typical? Well, I'll, I'll fire Norv and maybe the new guy, whoever I make interim, gets a little hot and I can salvage my backside. Well, I think that, you know, unfortunately, without speculation, you know, you hope that they get the whole year at least. To, that's what, I think that's what the players want to do. Uh, I think if you make a change, that, that then, you know, I don't know if A.J. has that kind of muscle. I, I don't know if he does or not. I know that the owner has been very supportive of those guys, and, and I think most people in the community have been also. All right, let's do this quick preview then. Um, all right, uh, quickly, Dan, let's talk about the Thursday night matchup, Buffalo. Has uh, got the Dolphins coming in, kind of interesting surprise loss by the Dolphins, and kind of a surprise, although not a surprise, the Bills took New England to the to the last minute, and obviously same thing. It's going to be tough, uh, 
tough tough for the loser of this to go forward. What do we make of the Dolphins, who had been playing pretty well, but then just got gashed by Tennessee, versus the Bills, who actually actually came back and almost beat New England? Well, there's a loss that you can live with, and there's a loss where you almost lose yourself. The 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 Dolphins almost lost themselves. They they lost, and they're not happy with each other, you know. And so the week before they won, and Reggie Bush was you know Mr. Moves on Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside. And then he has a fumble, and then something else happens. He gets benched during the course of the game. Richie uh, Incognito, who has <clears throat> been a uh, pretty uh, rugged Volatile. player. <laughs> okay, that's a good word. Volatile player. Uh, they're mad at him. So now you're losing your man to each other, which makes it almost be like, okay, now we're going to fall apart at the worst possible time because we can beat this Buffalo team. Buffalo with the rivalry. This is the old AFC days, and as old as it gets with with Buffalo versus New England Patriots. And and I thought that they came out and played well. Fitzpatrick going up against uh, Tom Brady, he hung in there. So I, I think this is a game for Thursday night. The NFL has been pretty good with playoff caliber teams on their Mondays, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday nights. This might not be one of those. And I think though it's a game that has significance because both teams can play well. Miami did not play well this past week, but they did the previous three weeks, and Buffalo did play well last week. To me, it's a match of, of strengths. You've got the Buffalo Bills offense, which is the strength of that team and can has show sides against the, the good, what had been the good Dolphins defense. And likewise, you've got the Dolphins offense against a pretty poor, porous Bills defense. So this is uh, strength against strength, weakness against weakness, which always makes for an interesting battle. Make sure to check out NFL.com to see my preview of the Dolphins and the Bills using NFL Game Rewind, where I break down both teams using all 22 coaches' footage. That's going to do it for the Coaches Show podcast. You can download the Coaches Show podcast on iTunes or go to NFL.com slash podcast. Also, be sure to catch Coaches Show on NFL Network every Monday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Thanks, everybody.